Today's guest is Wanda Smithshek, who is the co-founder and president of Homeopathy Institute of the Pacific, a non-profit organization established in 2012 in the San Francisco Bay Area that specializes in treating the manifestations of trauma, whether it's mental, physical, or emotional. Wanda is passionate about the practice of treating trauma with homeopathy, and she has witnessed the amazing transformation homeopathy provides for individuals from all walks of life, homeless, veterans, and disenfranchised. Wanda also has a Bachelor of Arts in Speech Communications from CSULB and completed four years of study in classical homeopathy at the Institute of Classical Homeopathy in San Francisco, California. She is certified by the Council for Homeopathic Certification and Wanda's life purpose is to help end the suffering one person at a time. You can find out more about Wanda's work at homeopathyip.org. That's homeopathy, I for Institute, P for Pacific, Org. Enjoy the episode. Welcome to the Homeopathy Hangout, where we discuss all things homeopathy from around the world. And now my mum and your host, Eugenie Kruger. Hello, homies, and a very warm welcome to Homeopathy Hangouts. Today, we get to speak with Wanda Smith-Schick, <laughs> all the way from America. Welcome, Wanda. Hi, thank you for having me, Eugenia. Thank good, you. good. I really had to concentrate on that surname. I hope I got it right. <laughs> <laughs> you got it perfect. Perfect. Excellent. Thanks. Now, Wanda, tell us a little bit about how you were first introduced to homeopathy. Okay. Well, I didn't really know anything about homeopathy. At the time, I was working in an emergency room hospital and working in the ER, and I was a unit secretary, so I would be the one that would order all the tests for the doctor. So, after a while, I, I did it for years. So I knew what, if an emergency came in, I knew what to get started and get the pot, the test started. But then there were these people that were called the, we on the staff called them the reruns, the ones that would come back all the time. Those that were drunk or people mm -hmm. had problems with their medications, suicidal depression, and even kids as young as I remember getting several times seeing this 15 year old girl. And I think she started coming in when she was 12. And it was mm -hmm. just like heartbreaking. And I kept asking my doctors, what can we do to help them? Why aren't we looking at what's going on in their lives? And they would say, we're the ER. We just patch them up and get them stable enough to go to the next place, which is understandable. So, But in my mind, that kept going. And I was studying. It was a second career I was thinking of. And I was going... I was taking the classes. I didn't take the first round, biology, chemistry, physics, which I wasn't planning on taking in the first place. But then I decided, okay, I'll go to medical school. I wanted to do something more that helped people. I was in entertainment before, prior to that. And so then when it was time to start applying, it just didn't feel right. And so I started checking out all these complementary alternative medicines. So I went to acupuncture, Chinese medicine schools, and they sounded good and everything. And I'm like, oh, okay. And then I was delivering some art for my husband in San Francisco. And I went to this, one of the things on the list, homeopathy, which I knew nothing about. And so I went there and she's telling me about it. And she said, homeopathy, we look at mental, physical, and emotional and what's going on in their lives. And I'm like, oh my gosh, that's what up. I've been thinking. <laughs> that's what I've been thinking the whole time. Mm. And then, so I was still like, that sounds good. And then she said, this was what set the hook. I don't know if you fish or anything, but I was just like, she said, 
the goal of homeopathy, one of the goals is to help people reach their full potential. And I said, oh my gosh, sign me up. I signed up that day to commute from LA to San Francisco. So I did, I would commute up, the school was on weekends and when I went. So I would commute up twice a month on the weekends, drive 350 miles to get to school, stay for the weekend and then drive back. So I was committed and it was awesome. And then I moved up in my, the end of my second year, but that's what it was. And even through school, I didn't feel, I didn't understand the power of homeopathy until I finished school and started working, volunteering at a homeless clinic in San Francisco. That's when I saw the power of homeopathy, working with people who had no stability in their lives. And so, but they kept coming back to homeopathy because they were feeling a difference because the way we practice, if you don't feel good before you leave, it's not the right remedy. Mm. And so we kept, and so I just, we just built our practice by that. And people kept coming. They would sometimes not go to sign up for their housing, but they would always come to us, come to our clinic. And it was a, the type of clinic was in a uh, facility that they take showers, they signed up for housing, they signed up for, there was a medical side to it, an allopathic medical side to it. And we worked in conjunction with them. Oh, wonderful. Yeah, it was the best experience for me because I like that fast pace, that energy coming from an ER background. And it just was like, oh my gosh. And it got to the point where the workers started coming. They're like, what's going on up there? The people who were downstairs trying to organizing the showers and oh. organized laundry. And they were like, why are these people coming, keep going for homeopathy and they're not even signing up for housing? So then we started treating the staff and the staff was like, do you think you could see my mom? Do you think Aww. you could, you know? So we did a lot of that. And it's just, it just confirmed to me that homeopathy is a giant answer to a lot of problems that for people who are suffering. And even after years of doing that, then I started a private practice. And I noticed that even some of my, my private clients had some trauma that was still deep in that they never addressed and was and resulted in in issues. But yeah, homeopathy is the bomb.com. <laughs> I haven't heard that one before. I love it. <laughs> the bomb.com. <laughs> Oh, that's some pretty hardcore homeopathy that you're doing with people that are homeless and that everyone else has given up on and probably seeing a lot of addiction. That's probably one of the hardest subgroups to treat because they often don't have that community. They don't have a safe home that they can go to. They don't have good food or all that that we need often to see better results. So you were able to have... Absolutely. I mean, all the things you said is absolutely, but it just goes to prove the power of homeopathy. In school, we're taught don't drink within 30 minutes, don't have mm. coffee, and don't brush your teeth with peppermint toothpaste and all this stuff. And I learned that, you know what, if it's the right remedy, I had one client who was homeless and he came in mad one day and he's like, yeah, I feel better, but I'm so mad because my dealer's not giving me good stuff because 
anything I'm using now isn't working. Well, it's because homeopathy satisfied that. And so it didn't allow that destructive, addictive area Mm. work. Mm. So, yeah. Oh, that's interesting. That's so interesting. And tell us a little bit about the, because you have, you started a charity as well. When did you start the charity? Tell us a little bit about it, the work that you do, how that works, how people can get in touch. So, yes, we started HIP, Homeopathy Institute of the Pacific. It was around, it was between 2011 and 2012. I think we started it at the end of 2011. But while we were volunteering at the homeless clinic in downtown San Francisco, we noticed that we would slowly get people who would disclose that they were veterans. I mean, after they'd come for a while, they said, yeah, I'm a vet. And then it just told us about their trauma. And so we were realizing that they weren't coming back as often as they would because it was a not a, let me describe what the, you walk in to the building and there is a room full of chairs and tables and uh, tons of racket, rigmaroles, people screaming. It's just pa- basically controlled pandemonium. And so to come in there, if you have trauma, and mm. trauma is sounds and screaming that just sets off memories in your head, that it's like it's traumatizing to even come there. And mm. they would still try and come. And then we decided, you know what, we need to find a safe place for them to come to where they can feel safe while they're coming into the office. And so we knew we needed to raise money for that because to get an office, we'd have to pay rent. And we need, I mean, we couldn't, that was not sustainable for us Mm -hmm. as individuals. And so we decided to get a 5013C, which in the U.S. is a nonprofit so that we could ask for donations and people could get a tax credit or tax break for their donations. And so we did that and it, and then we started getting funding. People would donate because of the cause and they, and the fact that we were helping veterans who were homeless. Mm -hmm. And so that's how it all started. And, and we just grew and grew from there. And then eventually it was towards 2017 when San Francisco was cleaning up the city. Mm. And so we started noticing we were getting less and less clients. And this is, we had both offices. We had where we would let the vets come and then we were still treating the homeless at the other clinic. And then we noticed that we're seeing less and less people every week. And so one of our homeless persons came in and said, oh, I need to get my remedy refilled because I'm leaving town. I'm like, oh, wow, great. Where are you going? They're giving homeless free bus tickets to leave the city Mm. so that it looks like they're cleaning up the homeless, but they're really just shipping them Mm. to somewhere else. Anywhere, if you say you know someone in another city, you'll get a free bus ticket out. And Mm. so- that was no longer meeting the needs of the community. Mm. So we took the homeless that were still coming and we brought them to our private office. And so we kept doing the work with the home. We still continue to do the work with the homeless, even through the pandemic. I'll just throw in how we worked during the pandemic. Yeah. 
when the pandemic started, we had lots of homeless. And so we, and they all had phones. And so we just started calling them every week. I would mail them remedies if they had a PO box or they had somewhere. Otherwise I would meet them on the street and, and give them a remedy. And then amazingly enough, our practice got even busier during the pandemic because I, I really am not clear how it happened because we started getting people from all over the country saying, Oh, I'm homeless. I'm living in my car, but I heard about you. Can you help us? I'm like, yeah, uh, of course. Do you have a PO box or somewhere we can send you something? Yes. And so that just, so there's uh, uh, this connection. I don't know how it works. Maybe Facebook. I don't know. I personally have people that do the Facebook stuff for us. We never stop being busy. We keep continuing to grow. Wow. That is absolutely incredible. And I think you mentioned that, have you got some vets in your family as well, right? Oh, right. And my dad was in the service for 26 years. And that's why in the beginning, my heart went out to the vets. I was always, okay, I'm going to help you no matter what. If I see a vet on the street, I'm like, here's my number. Mm. I've got your back. I'm going to help you because I know what it's like. My dad was in the service for 26 years and he did some work that he never could talk about during the South in Southeast Asia during that whole situation. He was never in Vietnam, but my opinion, he was a spy, but don't quote me. He never (laughs) said that out loud, but it was secret. Anyway, so, but he would wait. I remember when I was a kid hearing him wake up with screaming Mm. and night terrors. And I just thought there must be, I didn't think when I was a kid, but now I know that they had to hold so much in mm. and not release it. And it had to go somewhere. Mm. I mean, as a homeopath, you hold it in and it comes out somewhere else. And so, yeah, my heart, I have a whole family of generations of my mom's uncle, great, her uncle, my great uncle was in World War II and he lived to be, he recently passed and he was 101. Wow. He would tell me, yeah. He would tell me stories about being in and a military. And Mm. so I've always had compassion for, and these kids now, I mean, I see, I've had many young vets and I've noticed that they all go in escaping something. Mm. They're trying to get away from something. Mm. So trauma starts early. And I found that a lot of trauma for many, not all, but for many military people, is compounded by trauma that they started out with. And then military trauma, sexual trauma, all the things happen. But through all that, I still see the power of homeopathy. That it still, and they're always amazed. They're just like, wait a minute, where did my, wait, why is my pain better? What What just happened? And I'm like, well, you know, that's homeopathy. And you're welcome. And do you find it, easy to, or do you find it tricky to get them to open up or is it, have you got some ways that you can get them to open up? Because usually these types of military people are not the ones that would just come and bear their soul to you. But so how do you find funny. that? I don't know. My other name is happy-go-lucky because Aww. they just recently, I had a vet 
not to tell you about my other clinics, my pop-up clinics, mm. remind me. Mm. But one of the vets that I saw just last week when I was in New Orleans, I he came in, he had back pain. I gave him a remedy. And then while I'm waiting and talking to him, he just starts crying. Mm. He's like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I don't, this has never happened to me before. And I'm like, it's okay. I didn't talk about it. I didn't ask him any questions. I just sat with him and let him cry. And he's like, I never cry. I'm sorry. I'm like, you don't have to say you're sorry. And I guess homeopathy just makes a space for people to feel comfortable, in my opinion. I mean, I also have a a sign on my forehead that says, tell me more. And so they just start telling me things. And I mean, they say, I've never told anyone this. And and I'm Mm -hmm. like, okay, how can I help? And just that having, you know what I think it is? Having compassion, and especially compassion and love for people who don't generally have that, Mm -hmm. don't generally see that, especially homeless, especially people who are supposed to be strong all the time, men, military men, you know, Mm -hmm. stoic and strong. But I guess just creating that space of, I'm here to help, and I know homeopathy can help. Mm. and compounding that with outreach of love. Mm. I think love and homeopathy, you can't go wrong with that. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, it's so funny because we're sitting on opposite ends of the world. It's 8 o'clock in the morning here. It's probably about 8 p.m. your time. And you have this incredibly warm, beautiful energy about you. So I can see how people just feel that they want to open up to you. I feel that you just have we can talk this later. beautiful smile. Yes, <laughs> I have issues too. <laughs> so, yeah, tell us about the pop-up clinics. Okay, so during the pandemic, we were so busy. And even before the pandemic, I was on, I get going and I love what I do. I love it so much that I get to a point where I'm just, where's the next one? Where's the next one? Where's the Mm -hmm. next one? So I get like kind of work with blinders on and I just, I'm hurrying to one place because we had three clinics. And so I'm like, okay, today's this day. This is this clinic today. Okay. And I wake up and I never even want to know the number. I'm like, what's the letter of the day? Is it Monday? What's the letter? Because then I know where I'm supposed to be with the letter. And so during the pandemic, that stopped, right? Everything stopped and everything turned to Zoom and phone. And then it was like, that slowed me down a little bit so that I could take time and think, just create a little bit of a space. And then I started feeling the collective trauma of Black people in America being killed by police, being killed by being just for being Black, all the living nightmares. And I said, I thought, started thinking to myself, okay, what can I do to help? I know I have homeopathy. Homeopathy heals trauma. And so I said to myself, and I spoke to my board, and I'm like, you know what? I'm going to New Orleans. I'm going to start going to some of these black neighborhoods that are traumatized and see and help with the help of HIP or not. I'm happy to figure it out on my own, but my board was 100% on board about, okay, you know what? We support you. We support the work of homeopathy. And we know, we agree that there's trauma that needs to be addressed. And not only just addressed, but they need to have see 
people that look like them that they can trust because a lot of people want to go in a, a lot of organizations i'm not going to name them because everyone does on some level what they want to do to help but it sometimes seems to me like it's tv help where they go there when it's a tv moment and then when the TV time is over, the people are left behind. And I had some connections in New Orleans, and that's what they were telling me, that we're still suffering from Katrina. And that was 2005. And then wow. Ida came. And so then I was just like, oh, my gosh. And then George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, all the people. And I'm like, okay. And so I decided, we decided as an organization that we would do pop-up clinics. Mm. And so I got involved with some people that live in New Orleans, some organizations, and we put together a clinic. It was a four-day clinic, and we saw 67 people in four days because the word got out. The first one day, it was a little bit slow, and then a whole community came and grandmothers, moms, and then they would, they got seniors. These I'm talking seniors that have been living with pain or suffering for a long time. And they would get better and they're like, oh my gosh. And they would call their kids and their grandkids and say, you need to get down there. And I guess in the South, if your grandmother tells you, you need to go somewhere, <laughs> they drop it like it's hot and get there. <laughs> It just exploded. And we ended up seeing, like I said, 67 people for that clinic and lives were changed. It was incredible. And for me, talk about addiction. Homeopathy is my addiction. I don't even get tired and people are like, you need to eat, you need to eat. And I'm like, okay, one more person. I'm going to stop and eat after this next person. How can I stop helping when people are waiting to be helped? Mm. And that's the fire that homeopathy feeds me with. And I think every homeopath, and that's what I want to put out there, every homeopath, we have a tool. I don't care how you do it. Mm. A lot of people are complaining about, oh, you do it this way. I do it that way. Mm. I don't even care. Just do it. There's people out there and you know homeopathy helps. And I am one of those that are 100% in. I see homeopathy work through heroin, it works through crack, it works through allopathic medication, it still works. It works on uh, multiple levels. I mean, oh, I had a vet that came to me. He was on oxycodone or oxycodone or something. And uh, for back pain, he'd been on it for years. And he's like, mm -hmm. I still have the pain. And I'm like, oh, yeah, what's your pain number right now? And he's like, uh, eight out of 10. And I'm like, okay, so I give him a remedy and I keep talking to him. And by the way, I give him Arnica. And so we keep talking and then I'm like, okay, how's your pain? Oh, it's the same. I'm like, okay, can you just show me exactly where it is? And he's like, okay. And then he starts to feel where it is and he's like, oh, wait a minute. And then he gets up and does all this rigmarole. <laughs> uh, wait a minute, what did you do? are you a witch? I mean, <laughs> I hear that. That's crazy. And I'm like, no, it's homeopathy. And he's like, oh my gosh, I've had this pain for 20 years and it's gone right now. Wow. And that's what keeps them coming back. And that's mm -hmm. why people 
no matter what lifestyle they're in, that's why they keep coming back to our clinics because we don't let them leave without some difference. It's either mental, physical, emotional. And on all each one of those levels, someone feels different enough mm-hmm. to come back. Mm-hmm. For a pop-up clinic, I'm there once. And to have, I would say, at least 70% follow-up rate, that's pretty, that's the power of homeopathy. That's amazing. I love your passion, Wanda. You've got so much passion for homeopathy. I'm the same, but I I feel like you're like next level. <laughs> it just radiates. Because, because I'm working with people who, <laughs> who, who society says are worthless mm. and it changes their lives. That changes their lives. They start reconnecting with people that are good for them. Mm. They start doing things that are helping themselves. They start having goals and it changes lives. When she told me homeopathy helps you reach your full potential, I was like, oh, I sign up for that. But mm-hmm. I had no idea the ultimate power that it would really mean. Now, just wondering, do you have some cases that you can share with us? Like just some stories from the clinic? Oh, gosh. All right. Yeah, sure. Okay. I'm going to go. Well, I told you about the vet. I started seeing him, I think it was 2000. 15 because he came to my old private office Mm -hmm. and I to this day what is that almost 15 plus I mean seven years later he's still coming occasionally he comes Mm -hmm. when dental issues or for something but he stabilized Mm -hmm. he lived in a SRO and he couldn't speak to people he'd wear dark glasses all the time. He had a super long beard, big hoop earrings, not hoop earrings, but those when you put holes in Mm -hmm. giant holes, disc holes. And he says, I do whatever I can to make people stand off from me. So they don't want to get near me because I can't stand. I'm so afraid. I'm Mm -hmm. so anxious that I cannot have people around. I can't, don't talk to me. Don't look at me. Mm -hmm. So and he got to the point where he went, he's like, okay, I can't get to you until, because I need to, I can't get on the bus anymore. I'm going to walk and it's going to be like an hour walk. So I have to have late appointments. I can't get up in the day. I stay up all night. I can't because I'm afraid to sleep at night and blah, blah, blah. And so, I mean, not blah, blah, blah. That's mm-hmm. just, I'm trying mm-hmm. to shortcut it for time. Mm-hmm. So he started, so he kept coming and like I said before, he had childhood trauma, mm-hmm. super childhood trauma, sexual abuse by one of his parents and thrown away, discarded, you know, I don't want you, blah, 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 all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. But he kept coming. I kept addressing every little thing that came up because trauma is collective. It's layer after layer. You know, when they told us about that onion in school, they didn't mention that how much it, that onion is not just one layer, one little layer after it's like for, for the people that I've learned, it's one trauma on top of one, another trauma starts out with a deep trauma and it just keeps getting deeper and deeper and deeper. So we start kept addressing his traumas and to the point where now he can ride the bus. He can sleep at night. He's not afraid to go to sleep at night. And I just talked to him the other day. He just sent me a testimonial and said 
He's like, I'm good. I want to check in with you at the end of the year, but I'm good. I'm taking care of myself. I, and he has his own apartment. He's not living in a, I don't know if you know what an SRO, an SRO is like one of those uh, in the States they get in, in San Francisco. I don't know about anywhere else. They put him in a ho in like a like a shared home, a boarding where there's shared bathrooms. It's mm. a, like a hotel, but mm. where you share bathrooms and mm, stuff, like a dormitory type thing. Yeah, exactly, something like that. But dormitory sounds much nicer, from okay. what I understand. So don't get a Stanford, USC. I don't know what your college mm. are, are over there, but not that kind of dorm. It's more like a. Like you heard about those boarding houses in the 30s. Mm. <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, it sounds, it sounds it's not pretty. pretty. <laughs> sounds pretty creepy. Anyway, yeah. so he was in this boarding house and or whatever they call it. Mm. And where you have to share a bathroom and people and they just walk. You, you can hardly lock your door. Mm. It, it's just not a good situation. Mm. So anyway, he, he now he has an apartment. He has a stable home. He has takes care of himself. He just told me he's been a vegan for three years now. For him, his health is excellent. I saw him and he looks super healthy. Mm. And so that's someone who was, oh, and I forgot to tell you, he was an alcoholic and drug abuser. So it was a lifestyle. But behind all that, just so people have an idea, if you see someone that's an alcoholic on the street or drug abuser, that's because there's some trauma that they're trying mm. to... Just Absolutely. Stabilize themselves through. People it's who come from they're... loving, stable, beautiful homes <laughs> with no trauma don't end up on the street. Um, right. Exactly. It, it all, all comes from trauma. Yeah. Yeah. So, another case, just one of the kids, one of the people from the New Orleans trip, the grandmother had a grandmother had her grandson with him. And she's like, oh, I'm sorry. And her friend told her to come. And so she scurried on down. And so her friend said, and so she said, oh, I'm sorry, I have my grandchild with me. Can I still be seen? I'm like, yeah, sure. No problem. I like kids. Bring him in. He's two years old. And so I treated her, gave her remedy. And she's like, oh, my gosh, I, I couldn't bend my fingers. And now I can. Oh, my gosh. And so can you help my grandson? And I'm like, well, are you his legal guardian? Because I you know I got to watch myself. Mm. We all do. And so I said, are you his, and she's like, no, but I'm going to get my daughter on the phone right now. So she gets our daughter on the phone, puts her on speaker. Oh my gosh, I just saw this woman. She did homeopathy. You know, I'm better, blah, blah, blah. Can she help this, this child? Mm -hmm. And I said, and it's a baby and she's, and the mom's like, oh yeah, yeah, please, please help him. He's two years old. He's constipated. He can't go to the bathroom. Mm -hmm. And so I'm like, okay, sure. And so that's a, a kind of a quick case. And then the grandmother tells me, this is what he eats, blah, blah, blah. And so then I give him a remedy. And so then the next day, some other people come in and they're like, I heard that this baby is pooping all over the place now. And he wasn't ever pooping before. And I just cleaned it up for you guys because the whole, <laughs> everyone was coming in. He's pooping, he's pooping, but not with that word. And so I'm like, and so they're like, oh my gosh, can you help me? And so, but the main thing is this child was getting enemas every other day, mm. a two-year-old child. Mm, that's and that's very traumatic. I was traumatized by hearing that. 
but he got better. Mm. And so then his mom came in a few days later when she got off work. She It was at the end. It was just before we were leaving. And she hurried in. She has the kid. She picked him up from childcare. She rushed in. Can you see me? And so, yeah, we ended up treating the mom too. So that's three generations that homeopathy treated. And another one that came in, just another man. So people who say, I mean, I personally, I was surprised that he came because we know how hard it is to get men and his wife, his, Mm -hmm. the grandma, the mother of the daughter, the grand, the granddaughter, I don't know how they were related, but anyway, she came that she sold her to come in. So she comes in with four kids. And so I took the mom and one, two kids and my other, someone else took other two kids. And so we ended up treating all of them The mom felt better. And so the kids got their remedies. That night at five o'clock, the husband comes in. My wife said for me to come in. And I'm like, number one, I'm shocked that he came because I I don't think my husband would have come. But, you know, (laughs) that's a different story. And so the husband came in. And so I started, I gave him a remedy, treated him. I followed up with him over the next few months. Mm. And so he says to me, I'm feeling, I had so much anger, which I don't even think he told, he may have told me the anger. And so I gave him the, he's like, I'm feeling so much calmer. I'm less, I have more patience with my kids. And so I've seen him for seven months now. And that's generational changes. You learn what you learn, how to treat people, right? So his dad was absent or whatever. So he didn't know how to deal. And he's trying to make a life for himself and Mm -hmm. his family and all these compounded stresses. So I gave him a remedy and he reports back. I have more patience for my kids. The beautiful thing is you're not just helping him, you're helping the whole family. Hey, I know. Oh my gosh. I wish more of the dads would come into clinic. We could really, Oh, Makes such a huge difference if we could just get more of the dads and so many of them don't have, actually, I've got this amazing coach that I work with and she said to me the other day how she really enjoys working with men because often they've got their drinking buddies and all that, but often they don't have anyone that they feel comfortable sharing their really deep feelings with and their own stresses and traumas and maybe they don't want to burden their wife with their stress and make her stress. Mm-hmm. So having a homeopath that you can go and talk to and somebody that will deeply understand you and listen to you and then offer this beautiful energetic medicine to help. And the effect that that then has on the whole family is Absolutely. incredible. Incredible. Absolutely. I mean, and then he told, he had some of his men friend call me come in and I'm still treating them too. So that it's is just, cool. and they're like, I want to be a better man. I want to be a better mm. person. And so mm. then I started thinking just this time, oh my gosh, we need to do a clinic for men. That's on the list. Now it's another addition to the list, but mm. it all goes back to say what I keep harping on. It's the power of homeopathy. And it's about treating generational traumas because that's what we're dealing with. And Mm. that's what, especially if you look at it, that's what it is. Mm. I'm a man. I don't know how to treat. I don't know how to deal with my feelings Mm. because I never learned how to. I had a kid, heartbreaking client this 
pop-up clinic that I was in New York, New Orleans in February. And I just got back last two weeks ago or a week ago. I don't know. <laughs> and um, he's 19. He has a four-year-old daughter. His dad never recognized that he was his child. His mom left him when he was six months old. And he says, and I gave him a remedy for, he had seizures. So I gave him a remedy for seizures. And then I spoke to him this week and he just like, I don't know how to be a man. I don't have any idea how to do, he's a child. He's mm -hmm. 19. I don't know how to even get a house. I don't know how to do anything. He lives with an aunt and who is absent. So I don't know, mm -hmm. but that's the thing. Mm -hmm. And he has a four-year-old child. So I don't know how to be a man. How would he know how to be a dad when he's never had a parent to take care of him? Mm. And, but he made his appointment. I was kind of. That's impressive. I was very impressed when he's like, okay, what time is my appointment today? And I'm like, wow. Okay. Right Taking on. that first step is very often the hardest, hey? And mm -hmm. so many people don't actually make that first step. Exactly. Um, so much easier exactly. just to put it off for another day and then end up not doing it at all. So to actually make that step and have that first appointment is incredible. Mm -hmm. So Wanda, is there a final message that you want to leave us with? And can you please tell people how they can donate to um, the Homeopathy Institute of the Pacific? Because it is a charity, right? And actually, I don't know if you know this, but most of our listenership is actually in America. So it used oh, to be, wow. yeah, even though it's an Australian podcast, we started out with mostly Australian listenership and we've had quite a few American guests on And A few months ago, the American listenership doubles the Australian listenership. So yeah, you've got a wide audience in America. Oh, okay. Great. Yeah. Well. So how can they donate? Okay, well, you can donate by going to homeopathy, IP, as in Homeopathy Institute of the Pacific, homeopathyip.org. .org, okay. Dot Wonderful. Org. And we'll have that in the show notes as well, but if anyone wants Perfect. to hop on straight away to make a donation. Yeah. But I'll, the other thing I wanted to say is I am committed to helping other professional homeopaths start a clinic in your neighborhood. I will come there and help you do a pop-up clinic for your community, especially reaching disenfranchised. Those people that don't know about homeopathy, they couldn't afford a homeopathy at our regular rates, mm -hmm. but, and homeo and HIP will do that and support you in any way we can to show you how you can and maybe just do it once you do one pop-up clinic and just do it once follow up with people once a month if you could mm -hmm. just commit to one day a month I'm going to follow up with my disenfranchised mm. community hip is absolutely willing and help to do that and I'm committed to doing that and it's just invite me I'll come and I'll help you <laughs> <laughs> but mainly just do it just do the work for homeopathy mm -hmm. because it changes lives and especially so many people come that are hopeless I have no hope that's what they say I have no hope mm -hmm. and then to turn around and say okay I think things are going to get better. I feel super blessed that I didn't have that kind of a childhood or have that type of life where I was mm. traumatized, traumatized, traumatized. But to be able to make a difference in people's lives, and you could be happy-go-lucky like me, 
but you can still make a difference and help someone feel a little bit of the joy that you feel every day without even trying, right? And that's what homeopathy does. And mm. I am just, I don't care how you practice, how you do it, just do it. Mm. <laughs> yeah. And HIP is committed to helping people as any way they can. So reach mm. out and go to our website, sign up where it says, I mean, there's something on there that says, contact us now. And I do see those and I will respond. We will respond to that and get back to you. And if you want to help, we'll definitely are committed to making things happen, help making things happen. You are definitely a woman that makes things happen. (laughs) Thank you so much for your time. It's addicting. I'm just going to say it's addicting. Once you start helping people, it's, it's the power of homeopathy. You cannot deny it. And you see lives change. And I'm fortunate. I feel blessed every day because I see how homeopathy is helping make generational changes. Mm -hmm. And it's never too late to feel good. You can ask my seniors because one more, can I tell Yeah, go for it. (laughs) Okay. I had a woman just at this last clinic came in 76 years old. She's from Haiti. And her parents kept sending her to the States to get away from the war that was going on in Haiti. And so, but she kept going back home, coming back. And so she came into our clinic for pain. She'd been in a car accident. And so I always usually give someone, if they'd just recently been in an accident, I give them Arnica. Mm -hmm. And so they're like, and so she's like, oh, I feel a teeny bit better. I'm like, okay, well, let's just keep talking. Tell me more. And she's like, oh, yeah, I was born with a congenital heart defect. And I'm thinking, oh, the plot thickens. And so she's like, oh, yeah, my mom was scared the whole time. And so as a trained homeopath, that fear during pregnancy and heart disease, I think of aconite. Mm. And so then and then she was telling me, oh, even when I was a kid, I jump rope, but I would have to stop jumping because. I couldn't breathe as much. And so I'm thinking, okay, I'll give it a shot. So, and she comes in there with a cane and she gets up, she slowly sits down and settles in. And then I give her Arnica and she moves around. Yeah, it's a little bit better. And then I give her Aconite and then I said, okay, how are you feeling now? And she's like, hmm, I can get a deeper breath. And I'm like, okay. And so I'm thinking, okay, you know what? that's the right choice for this situation. So I gave her the aconite and then it's time to leave. I set up an appointment for follow-up because that's the key. And that's the other thing I wanted to say. I'm glad I reminded myself. You have one chance to make a difference in these and people's lives. That's why you give it your best shot. And, you, and I think to myself, if I never see this person again, this is what I learned from working with homeless. I'm going to give my best shot and they're not going to leave my ch- that chair until they feel better on some level. Mm. And so I give her the aconite. She gets up. She No, she doesn't just get up. She springs up and she's like, oh, did you see how I got up? I'm like, yeah. She's like, oh, I haven't moved like that. And I don't know when I've moved like that. And I'm like, okay. And she's like, oh. And I'm breathing better. And she says all this with a Haitian accent. So it's super cute. And she's just like, <laughs> oh, my goodness. And and she was telling me how act- she was an activist her whole life. And and she and it was just such. And I'm like, OK, so when is the book coming out? And she's like, 
laughing. And she's like, I know my daughter keeps telling me to write a book and, but it would be so long. And I'm like, okay, that's all right. Two chapter, two books, make it a double. And anyway, <laughs> she let, she sprung out of the office and she's like, do you see how I'm moving? I'm like, yeah, I see how you're moving. So it's not just men that get better. It's women, men, women, and children. So <laughs> And animals and plants. <laughs> oh my gosh. Don't even start me. I mean, I'll just say real quick, a donkey depressed because his brother died cinema remedy the owner wrote me back oh my gosh he's back to his old self. so like you said men <laughs> women and children and animals and plants <laughs> okay you want me to say it i've had trees that the fruit keeps falling off keeps falling off i give it sulfur the fruit stays on to, and gets bigger until it's oh. ready to play. So <laughs> Love it. try Love and it. stump the band. I'm t- <laughs> oh, thank you so much for your time, Wanda. Oh, thank so you. so fun to chat with you. And oh, I hope people donate pleasure. and get involved and set up their own pop-up clinics because it's definitely something that we need for sure. I'll come to Australia too. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good. Yes. <laughs> Oh my Thank gosh, so it's a more. pleasure. Thank you so much, Eugene. Such a pleasure. Bye. Okay, bye.